Sherlock Holmes. We present Barry Foster as Sherlock Holmes and David Buck as Dr. Watson in a new dramatisation of the short stories by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle with John Hollis as Inspector Lestrade. Watson. No. Anything of interest with you? No. Nothing particular. Nothing much in the papers. No, not a particular interest. Special Lestrade, you are very welcome. Come in and sit down. Oh, thank you. Uh, now, tell us why you're here. Anything remarkable on hand? No, no. Oh. Uh, a cigar, Dr. Watson? Uh, no, thank you. Uh, you don't mind if I do? Uh, not at all. Uh. No, Mr. Holmes, there's nothing very particular. Yeah. Well, I fancy there's some reason why you came. Tell me about it. Well, there is something, but it's such an absurd business, I, I don't think you'd be interested. On the contrary. How absurd? Well, uh, queer. I mean, um, uh, trivial, but queer. Mm. Well, I know you have a taste for anything out of the ordinary, but in my opinion, it comes more into Dr. Watson's line than yours. Ah, a medical matter. A form of madness. I'm interested. What sort of madness? Would you believe there'd be anyone living today who had such a hatred of Napoleon that he would break any image of him that he could see? Oh, that isn't very interesting. Well, that's what I said. But then when this man, in order to break images, commits burglary, well, it uh, becomes more than a case for a doctor. Burglary? Is a little more interesting. Tell me the details. I'm not boring you. No. You must be busy with much more interesting things. I can spare a few minutes. Go on. Well, let me consult my notebook. It's a, it's a tangled affair. Oh, yes. The first case of the breaking of an image of Napoleon was reported four days ago. A man named Morgan sells pictures and statues. The assistant left the shop unattended for a moment, heard a crash came back and found a plaster bust of Napoleon, which was standing with other, well, I suppose you'd call them works of art, on a counter, found it had been smashed into fragments on the floor. It couldn't have fallen, so he rushed out into the street. But although one or two people had noticed a man run out of the shop, they had no clear description. Oh, it sounds like one of those senseless acts of hooliganism that occur these days. Exactly. It was reported to the constable on the beat as such. I mean, the bust was worth only a few shillings. It, it hardly seemed worth investigating. I agree. And the second case occurred last night, also in Kennington Road. 
Near the shop, there's a doctor who has one of the largest practices in South London, uh, Dr Barnicott. Oh, yes, fine. His residence and principal surgery is in Kennington, but he has a branch surgery and dispensary in Lower Brixton Road. And he is an admirer of Napoleon. As a matter of fact, he is. He bought two plaster busts from Morse Hudson, identical with a broken one, and put one in each surgery. Dr Barnicott came down this morning, found he'd been burgled during the night, and discovered the plaster head smashed against the garden wall. Anything else taken? No. Ah, this is better. This is certainly very novel, eh, Moxie? <laughs> well, it gets more unusual because uh, the doctor then went to his surgery in Brixton and a window had been opened during the night and the bus Th there... That had been smashed too. ...all over the floor and nothing else taken. Oh, well, we're dealing with a lunatic and he's left no clues. Now, Mr Holmes, you have all the facts. I grant you, they're very strange. Were the two busts the doctor had exact duplicates of the one in the shop? Mm, or taken from the same mould. Oh. There must be hundreds of statues and replicas of the Emperor all over London. Your lunatic hasn't touched any of those. Well, not yet. Of course, Morse Hudson is the only shop in that part of London selling such things, so it uh, may be a local affair. But what do you think of it, Doctor? There are no limits to the possibilities of monomania. It is a condition the modern French psychologists have called the idée fixe. It may be trifling and accompanied by complete sanity in every other way. A man could, by reading or some other means, easily become fixed on such a world figure as Napoleon and be capable of any fantastic outrage. That won't do, Watson. It's a rough summary of the latest theories. It's not quite my field. No, I mean, whether Ide fix or not, it does not explain how this monomaniac found out where the busts were. Well, how do you explain it? I don't attempt to. I only observe that there is a certain method in these eccentric proceedings. For instance, in the doctor's residence, where a sound might rouse the family, the bust was taken out into the garden before being broken, but in the Brixton surgery, it was smashed on the floor. That is curious, but it's still a very minor affair. <laughs> Some of my most classic cases have had the least promising beginning. Watson, remember that dreadful business of the Abernethy family? Oh, yes. How did that start? It was brought to my notice by the depth to which the parsley had sunk in the butter on a hot day. Hmm? So, let me know, Lestrade, if there are any fresh developments. There's well back now. Move along now, please. Clear the pavement. There's nothing to see. Sorry, sir, you can't go in there. I'm Sherlock Holmes. Inspector Lestrade summoned me. Oh, I beg your pardon, sir. Yeah. He's inside the house. Thank you. This gentleman is with me. Now, move along there. There's nothing to see. Well, attempted oh, murder, at least, I'd say, Watson. <laughs> nothing less will hold their attention. Oh, look, the top step has been swelled down and the others are dry. Well, let's go in. I got your telegram. What's this about? It's the Napoleon business again. Ah. You seemed interested last night, so I thought you'd want to be present. Now that it's taken such a grave turn. How grave? Murder. Uh, this gentleman here is Mr Horace Harker of the Central Press Syndicate, although in fact he is the owner of this house. Mr Harker, will you tell Mr Holmes what occurred? All my life I've been collecting other people's news and now that a real piece of news has come my own way, I'm, I'm, I'm so confused and, and tattered I can't put two words together. If I'd come here as a journalist, I'd have interviewed myself and had two columns in every evening paper. As it is, I, I'm, I'm giving away valuable copy by telling my story over and over to a string of different people and I can make no use of it myself. 
Not even that I'm standing here talking to Sherlock Holmes. Uh, It's a crazy story. I I only hope you can explain it. Did you own a plaster bust of Napoleon? I bought one for this room four months ago. Where did you buy it? Harding Brothers, Kensington. Two doors from the High Street Station. Ah. You see, a lot of my work is done at night. And I often write into the early morning. So I was sitting in my den, which is at the top of the house, about three o'clock, when I thought I heard some sounds downstairs. Now, I listened... I heard no more. I thought it must have come from outside, and, and then... It's about five minutes later. I, I've never heard anything like it, Mr Holmes. It'll, it'll ring in my ears as long as I live. What was it? Oh, the most dreadful yell. I seized the poker and I went down. I found the front window wide open and, and the bust was gone from the mantelpiece. Now, why, why would any burglar take that? It was only plaster. Uh, this window? Yeah. If you take a long stride, you can reach the front steps and the windowsill. Oh, yes, I see. Now, that's why I went to the front door. I opened it, I, I stepped out in the dark, and I nearly fell over a, a, a dead man lying there. It was horrible. How was he killed? His throat was cut. He lay on his back, his knees drawn up, his mouth wide open. I'll see him in my dreams. Who was the murdered man? Well, there's nothing to show who he was. He was tall, sunburnt, powerful build, not more than 30. What, no possessions? It was a horn-handled clasp knife lying in a pool of blood beside him. Whether it was the weapon that did the deed or belonged to him, I don't know. No name on the clothing, nothing in his pockets but an apple, some string, a shilling map of London. Map of London? Yeah, and a photograph for this one. Oh, snapshot. What do you make of it, Watson? Oh. Well, the chap looks foreign, dark, very odd jaw, quite distinctive. Ugly. Not stupid, though. No. What became of the bust? Found in the front garden of an empty house in Camden House Road, broken into fragments. I'm going round to see it, too. Will he come? Yes. Whoever broke in was a very active fellow. It's easy enough to get back from the window to the step, but with the area below, it's a risky business to reach the window ledge and open the window. Are you coming to see the remains of your statue, Mr Harker? Oh, I must write about it. I must make something of it. The first edition will have the details by now, though. Just my luck. It happened before. I was the only journalist in the standard Doncaster race course when it fell. And my paper was the only one that didn't have an account of it because I, I was too shaken up to write it. Huh. And now I'm too late for a scoop with a murder on my own doorstep. Completely smashed. In a frenzy, I'd say. Perhaps. Certainly a strange sort of criminal. Possession of this bit of plaster was worth more to him than human life. But why break it here? He must have been rattled by meeting the other fellow, and a murder, and ran. Why this garden? Well, the house is empty. He wouldn't be disturbed. He passed another empty house before he came to this. Hmm. Oh, I give up. The street is light. You could see what he was doing here. Oh, what do you make of that? We may come on something later that will bear on it. What do you intend to do now, Lestrade? Identify the dead man first. Then we may find out what he was doing at Harker's house and so who it was met him and killed him. It's not quite how I would approach it. Oh? What would you do then? Oh, you must not let me influence you in any way. I suggest you go on your line and I on mine. We could compare notes afterwards. Oh, I accept the challenge. Oh, by the way, tell Harker... I'm certain that a dangerous lunatic with Napoleonic delusions was in his house last night. Hmm? It'll be useful for his article. You don't seriously believe that? Oh, I'm sure it will interest his readers. 
Now, shall we meet at six o'clock at Baker Street? Yes. And may I keep the photograph? Oh, of course. I may want your assistance on a small expedition tonight, if my chain of reasoning is correct. Until then, goodbye and good luck. Yes, gentlemen, what can I do for you? Are you Mr. Morse Hudson? I am. We're inquiring about a bust of Napoleon. Yes, well, I'm afraid I don't have any. But you did have one that was broken. Yes, I don't know what we pay rates and taxes for when any ruffian can walk in off the street and break what he fancies and walk away. It's a nihilist plot, that's what it is. Oh. The doctor bought two and his got smashed. Why? <coughs> Anarchists. No one but an anarchist would go about breaking statues. That's what they do, you know. Red Republicans, that's what I call them. They're behind it. Yes. Where, where did you get the statues from? Oh, um, oh, Stepney. Gelder and Co. in Church Street. They're a well-known house in the trade. Have been for 20 years. Watson shared the photograph. <coughs> do you know this man? Oh, with a face like that, you wouldn't forget that easily. Yes, that's Beppo. He worked here. Did he? Ah. Well, is he here now? Oh, no. Left last week. He was an Italian, kind of a piecework man. Could carve a bit, gild frames, that sort of thing. Do you know where he is now? No, I don't know where he came from, nor where he went to. Nothing against him while he was here. Did Beppo leave before the bust was smashed? Uh, oh, yes. Two days before, as a matter of fact. Mm. But you mark my words, it's them anarchists. They're always smashing statues. Yes, Nobody yes. but an anarchist mm. would do a thing like that. That is so, Mr. Holmes. It was a copy in marble of Devine's head of Napoleon. We have taken hundreds of plaster casts from it. Now, let me see. Yes, three were sent to Moss Hudson by us a year ago. Half of a batch of six. Where did the other three go? To Harding Brothers of Kensington. Uh, do you know that someone has been going around destroying these busts? They aren't that bad. <laughs> but can you think of a reason? No, none at all. They're worth practically nothing as works of art. They're just decoration. How much are they worth? We sell them for six shillings. A retailer could charge 12 shillings or more if he could get it. How is the cast made? In two halves. Each side of the face is cast in a mould, then they are joined together. Ah. Do you employ many Italians? Oh, yes. This is a traditional trade for them. Watson. Oh, uh, do you know this man? Ah, do I know him? I know him very well. We have been in business, Gelders, for 30 years. No trouble, always respectable. And the only time we have the police, it was over this fellow. When was this? Just over a year ago. He knifed another Italian in the street, and then he came to the works with the police on his heels. He was captured here. Served me right for hiring a man with such a face. <laughs> he was a good workman, though. What was his name? Beppo. Is he in prison? He only got one year. The other man lived. He's probably out by now. And the busts were sold by you a year ago? Yes. How very interesting. Thank you. You have been of the greatest possible help. My pleasure. Two doors from the station, he said. Ah, there it is. 
Harding Brothers. Ah, <laughs> look at this. <laughs> Kensington outrage, murder by madman. Well, Harker did get his story in then. It is most satisfactory to know that Mr. Lestrade, one of the most experienced members of the official force, and Mr. Sherlock Holmes, the well-known consulting expert, have each come to the conclusion that the incidents arise from lunacy rather than from deliberate crime. The press is a valuable institution, Watson, if only you know how to use it. Now, <laughs> uh, let us see the manager of Harding Brothers. Three busts from Gelders. I sold one to Mr. Harker, one to Mr. Josiah Brown, there's the address in Chiswick, and one to Mr. Sanford in Reading. <clears throat> Do you recognize this picture? Uh, no, I do not. <sighs> do you employ Italians? A few. Oh. Could anyone see this sales book? Yes, there's no particular reason to keep a watch on it. Uh. Well, I hope I've been of some help. We don't like to think of lunatics roaming in Kensington. Well, what luck, Lestrade. Tell me what you found out, and then I will tell you where we're going tonight. Oh, confident as ever. <laughs> what have you done today? Uh, we traced the busts from their beginning. Well, you have your own methods, but I think I may have done the better day's work. Oh. I dealt with the murder. I have identified the dead man and found a cause for the crime. Splendid. Tell us. We have a man who makes a speciality of the Italian community. Well, I asked Inspector Hill to look at the body. He knew him straight away. One of the worst villains in London, Pietro Venucci. And, what's more, connected with the Mafia. A secret political society which enforces its decrees by murder. Which means that the other fellow was probably a member as well. Who broke the rules somehow. And Pietro was sent on his track. That's why he had the photograph and the map. He follows the fellow. Sees him enter the house. Waits for him. They have a scuffle and the other fellow knifes Pietro. That must be how it happened. How's that for a day's work, Mr Holmes? Excellent. But I didn't quite follow your explanation of the destruction of the busts. Oh, they're just petty larceny. Oh. This is the mafia. This is murder. What next, then? We go down to the Italian quarter and find the fellow in the photograph. Will you come with me tonight? I fancy going to Chiswick. Chiswick? Yes. There's no Italians in Chiswick. A bargain. If you will come with me tonight to Chiswick, I'll go with you tomorrow to the Italian quarter. How's that? few hours won't make much difference. We shall not go out until late, probably 11, and we may have a long wait. Dine with us, Lestrade. Well, if it's what you want, I'll go with you. And, uh, anyway, I always enjoy dinner here, so the night won't be wasted. <laughs> Good. Uh, Watson, would you ring for an express messenger? I have a letter to send, and it's important it goes at once. Yeah, of course, I'll... There's the house, on that corner. Hmm. All dark. Must have gone to bed for the night. Seems very quiet. Don't know why you asked Dr. Watson here to bring a revolver. What are we expecting? Well, you see, in the matter of the busts, Chiswick is... Where Watson, 
There's a deep shadow over there. Let's get out and take up our positions. We may not have long to wait. This is always the point where I most want a cigar. <laughs> However... Oh, yes, I see him. Where? By the side of the house. Must have come over the fence. Yeah. Now he'll enter the house. Shouldn't we stop him? Oh, wait till he comes out. But it's a burglar. No ordinary burglar. Won't take long. He only wants one thing, and it'll not be hard to find. There. There's the flash of his dark lantern. I don't feel happy watching a crime be committed. Be patient. Look, Watson. He's moving again. Yes, he's coming out. He's coming this way. Now let's have him. No, wait. Watch. What's he carrying? Now, catch him! Oh, right! Hey, you! Careful! Oh, gotcha, you villain! Oh. Let him go to straight. Stand clear. Put your hands up. I have a gun. Uh, I, I know, understand. I have done nothing. No, you just stolen a bust of Napoleon. And smashed it. Let's have a look. Oh, don't trouble with it, Mr. Holmes. We got our man. Let's get him to a police station. Is there anything there, Holmes? Come on, you. Uh, I know, understand. You I'm... understand. You're under arrest. Come on. No, Watson, nothing. We shall have to wait till tomorrow to finally solve this remarkable mystery. Well, Lestrade, tell us your news. Beppo. That was his name, all right. Nobody knew his second name. He'd been a bit of a sculptor, made a good living, but he had a streak of evil. He'd been in jail twice, once for theft and once for stabbing a fellow Italian. He could talk English perfectly well, but he wouldn't tell us anything about the busts. We even discovered he made them with his own hands and he still wouldn't admit anything. They swear oaths of silence, you know. Oh. I still haven't found the proof, but I'm sure of the Mafia being behind this. We have our man. That's the main thing. But not what he was after. Mm. Ah, that will be my man, I think. Watson, let him in. Uh, I'm Mr. Sandford from Reading. Uh, is Mr. Sherlock Holmes here? I am he. Oh, Mr. Holmes, I got your letter. <laughs> I brought what you wanted. Splendid. Uh, now, let me be sure of the facts in this letter. It says, sir, I desire to possess a copy of Davine's Napoleon and am prepared to pay you £10 for the one which is in your possession. Is that right? Certainly. I was, I must say, very much surprised because I, I can't imagine how you knew I had such a thing. Mr Harding told me he'd sold you the last copy. Oh, I see. <laughs> well, um, there's another matter, Mr Holmes. Uh, did he happen to tell you how much I paid for it? He did not. Well, I'm an honest man. I'm not a rich one, but I think before you offer me ten pounds, you ought to know that I only gave fifteen shillings for it. I have named the price, Mr. Sandford. I'm happy to stick to it. Well, that's very handsome of you. Uh, here it is. Ah. Uh, here is the ten pounds. Thank you. Now, could you just sign this paper also, Mr. Sanford? It simply says that you transfer every possible right you ever had in the bust to me. Oh? I'm a methodical man. Oh, very well. Thank you. And I hope your journey has been worthwhile. It certainly has. 
I don't understand it, but I don't mind telling you. I wish it would happen more often. <laughs> well, good night, gentlemen. Good night, Joe. Ten pounds? <laughs> I thought the fellow was mad he was breaking them. Now I think you're mad for buying them. Ah. Holmes, what are you doing with that hammer? Yeah. Well, is there anything there? Embedded in the plaster. Look at that. Gentlemen, let me introduce to you the famous black pearl of the Borgias. The most famous pearl in the world. Amazing. Bravo. Yes. Oh, that's very good. Now, how did you know? It disappeared in London a year ago. You'll remember the caseless trade. I was consulted and could throw no light on it. Then suspicion fell on a maid. Oh, wasn't she Italian? Yeah. That's right. I remember her name now. It was Venucci. Yes. There is no doubt in my mind that this Pietro who was murdered two nights ago was her brother. I've been looking up the dates in the old files of the paper, and I find that the disappearance of the pearl was exactly two days before the arrest of Beppo for some crime of violence an event which took place in the factory of Geldrick Co., at the very moment when these busts were being made. Now, you clearly see the sequence of events, though you see them, of course, in the inverse order to the way in which they presented themselves to me. Beppo had the pearl in his possession. Now, he may have stolen it from Pietro, he may have been Pietro's confederate, he may have been the go-between for Pietro and his sister. It is of no consequence to us which is the correct solution. The main fact is that he had the pearl and at the moment when it was on his person, he was pursued by the police. He made for the factory in which he worked. He knew that he had only a few minutes in which to conceal this enormously valuable prize, which would otherwise be found on him when he was searched. Mm. Six plaster casts of Napoleon were drying in the passage. One of them was still soft. In an instant, Beppo, a skillful workman, made a small hole in the wet plaster, dropped in the pearl and with a few touches, covered over the aperture once more. It was an admirable hiding place. Yeah. And then he went to jail for a year, and the busts were scattered all over London. He wouldn't know which one contained the treasure. So he had to find them and break them. <laughs> ah, I see it all now. And he knew the trade. He could track them down. Meanwhile, Venucci was tracking him. And ended with his throat cut. Yeah. Why did he carry a photograph when he knew the man? To show to others as he searched for him. After the murder, Beppo had to be in a very great hurry. Harker's newspaper story of a lunatic murderer made him feel secure enough to search on for the only two busts left in Chiswick and Reading. And he was bound to try the London one first, which is why we went there. And all the time it was the last of the six in Reading. It's as well for us it wasn't the first. <laughs> well, I have to say I don't know if I ever saw a more workmanlike job. We're not jealous of you, sir, at Scotland Yard. No. We are proud to work with you. Thank you, Lestrade. Thank you. Shut the pearl in the safe, Watson, and bring me the papers of the Conk Singleton forgery case. Well, goodbye, Lestrade. If any little problem comes your way, I'll be happy if I can give you a hint or two as to its solution. <laughs> That was Barry Foster as Sherlock Holmes, 
and David Buck as Dr. Watson in The Six Napoleons by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatized for radio by Bill Morrison. Inspector Lestrade was played by John Hollis, Harker by Stephen Hancock, Morse Hudson and Beppo, Terry Malloy, the German manager, Roger Hume, Harding, Michael Harbour, and Sanford by Stanley Page. The play was directed in our Birmingham studios by Roger Pine. <laughs>